2: now
4: Once again, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. I sincerely hope you're having a lovely day. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and I have a series of very interesting stories to bring you. We're going to have a sort of theme today. That would be people who have become traitors to the United States of America, beginning with an ex-FBI agent who was just indicted for assisting a Russian oligarch. He was actually violating Russian sanctions, but as he was investigating the Trump-Russia probe, He was actually working for Oleg Deripaska. And then we have a couple of stories about Joe Hunter and the Chinese Communist Party and how their oil dealings profited both the Bidens and, of course, stole money and strategic resources from the United States of America. The mainstream media continues their assault on the Biden crime family. I'm going to show you a testy exchange between Mika and Morning Joe earlier this morning with a Biden White House official. And you may be aware that there was an Antifa insurrection that took place in a number of large cities over the weekend. It all kicked off in Atlanta, where what was called a mostly peaceful protest included the burning and looting of the city of Atlanta, including a number of different cop cars. But there was an Antifa insurrectionist who was murdered by state police after he shot one of their deputies in the stomach. This kid deserved what he got. Now, the really ironic aspect of those protests this weekend is that as they continued into the northeastern United States, in Boston in particular, the son of Democrat House Minority Whip Catherine Clark was arrested as one of those Antifa radicals that assaulted police. And then you also may be aware that there was a shooting in Monterey, California. Turns out it was an Asian guy, but that's not going to stop the left from blaming my supremacy. And then finally, Wisconsin lawmakers are looking to clean up the voter rolls. So we got to talk about that. Do me a favor, sit back, relax and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. Welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around. You know, I've said time and time again that 2023 appears to be the year of the boomerang and we get yet another plot twist showing that the people who were calling Trump a Russian asset Oftentimes turned out to be Russian assets themselves. And this plot twist right here involves an ex FBI agent who was involved in the Trump Russia collusion investigation. Now, he has been called a Russian asset because it turns out that while he was supposed to be investigating Russian oligarchs, he was actually working on behalf of Russian oligarchs. He was trying to subvert and remove U.S. sanctions. His name is Charles McGonagall, and he led the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York, one of the most corrupt states in the union. He is accused of violating sanctions on behalf of Oleg Deripaska. He is that Russian aluminum magnate with very close ties to Vladimir Putin. He's usually the single most recognizable Russian oligarch, I think, out there today. Now, McGonagall, according to prosecutors and a former Russian diplomat, both conspired to have these sanctions removed from Deripaska in 2021. They also investigated another Russian oligarch in return for concealed payments from Deripaska himself. Now, this was largely unsuccessful, as Deripaska remains under U.S. sanctions to this day. But McGonigle was arrested on Monday, regardless, and allegedly he received two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars from a former Russian intelligence officer while he was still employed at the FBI. Now, it goes without saying this is only the stuff we know about. Russian interference in the United States economy and in law enforcement probably goes back a lot farther than twenty twenty one or twenty eighteen. And it always seems as if the people who were accusing Donald Trump of being associated with Russia ended up being associated with Russia themselves. Remember, Hillary Clinton, Robert Mueller, Uranium One, that was a deal to give our strategic uranium reserves to the Russians. That was all put together by Democrats and the same people who called Donald Trump a Russian asset. Now, of course, for people who do not know, the indictment of McGonagall is a surprising thing. They don't know that the FBI and their investment into President Trump were absolutely baseless from the outset. Top counterintelligence officials have said that McGonagall was one of the first individuals at the FBI to learn that a Trump campaign advisor had discussed Hillary Clinton's emails with a foreign diplomat. Maybe that's because he was actually working with the Russians and this was a setup from the very beginning. Maybe it's because there really was no conversation about Hillary Clinton's emails with one of President Trump's people. That wasn't an unnatural conversation. Nobody actually Had these emails. The only people who had them were WikiLeaks, Hillary Clinton, maybe the Chinese, maybe the Russians did themselves. But that all came out in the wash. There was no evidence of Russian collusion. This twist in McGonagall's service shows that the FBI's investigation into the Trump campaign's links to Russia was flawed from the outset. Because as a top counterintelligence official, McGonagall should have known about this. And I argue that he did know about it. He was probably acting on behalf of his handlers both here and abroad in Russia. With no evidence of collusion, the Trump-Russia collusion investigation closed down, but it looks like McGonagall did not close down his ties with Russian oligarchs. You gotta love it. Once again, considering that 2023 is the year of the boomerang, we continue to get more information about the criminal business dealings of Joe Hunter Biden and the entire Biden crime family. Now, we have learned a lot to this point from the Hunter Biden laptop. When this hit the news in 2020, in my opinion, it was a revelation. It was the biggest story of the century. And that's why they had to delete me and so many other people, both from YouTube, Twitter, and a number of other platforms. We already learned about the 10% that was going to the big guy. The big guy, of course, being Joe Biden. We also knew that Hunter and Joe were involved in multiple business dealings with the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, we now have new emails that have been discovered, uncovered rather, by the Daily Mail, which show that Hunter Biden had included Joe Biden in a 2017 email where they discussed a multi-million dollar gas deal with China. Joe Biden was named in this email discussing a 20 5 million ton gas deal with China. In October of 2017, Hunter and his uncle Jim were brokering a multi-million dollar deal to supply gas from Louisiana to the country of China, and that was on behalf of other business partners, but it was done through their Chinese energy giant CEFC. There was another individual involved in the email chain, a Louisiana-based lawyer, who wrote in October of 2017 that he had arranged a call from Joe Biden and Hunter Biden on Monday morning to discuss that per- Purchase of five million tons of gas, and we have the email itself right here. Dear Jim and Hunter, I confirm that your contact for Chinese gas sales at Chad Whiteside, located in their Houston office. His email is blank. I can confirm I have requested him to be available for a call from Joe Biden and Hunter Biden on Monday morning to discuss the purchase. Now, of course, Joe has always denied he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden or any of his business dealings. But here, once again, in black and white, we have have proof that that is a lie. Now, at the end of the day, we don't know exactly how much money Joe and Hunter made from this deal, but I think it's safe to say it was many millions of dollars. Now, after Joe Biden stepped into the White House in 2020, that's where things get a little more complicated, because as you all know, Joe Biden sold our U.S. oil reserves that President Trump had purchased at a significant discount to fill them up in case we had an emergency here in America. Instead, Joe Biden sold it to China at a significant discount discount, which, of course, could very easily have been part of his continued business dealings with Chinese energy giants and the Chinese Communist Party. Now, Power the Future founder Daniel Turner has admonished Joe Biden for selling raw materials to the communist Chinese for them to use as they want. And I think a lot of other people are very angry about it as well. Turner told the Washington Free Beacon, we were assured that Biden was releasing this oil to America so it could be refined for gasoline to drive down prices at the pump. So right off the bat, they're just lying to the American people. What they're saying they did and what they actually did are not remotely related. Now, Turner was also quoted as saying that this decision highlights the Biden crime family's relationship with China. Biden's son, Hunter, is tied to a company called Sinopec, and in 2015, a private equity firm he co-founded bought a $1.7 billion stake in Sinopec marketing. Now, Sinopec went on to enter negotiations to purchase Gazprom in March One month after the Biden admin sanctioned the Russian gas giant. So Hunter, Joe and Jim are catching it coming and going. They are profiting in any way that they possibly can. Joe Biden sold over a million barrels of oil from U.S. strategic reserves to that same company that is connected with Hunter Biden. If there is an opportunity for the Bidens to capitalize on their name, if there is an opportunity for the Bidens to sell out the United States of America, you better believe it, they have done it. How many times has Joe and Hunter and the Biden crime family done business with the Chinese Communist Party in the past? As it stands now, we don't really know. But that's why I continue to press the issue on this and so many other related stories. And I'd like to continue by talking about that massive three-carat diamond that Hunter received as a gift from the Chinese. Chinese now again this happened at right around the same time that Joe Biden was taking those documents from the White House illegally violating the Espionage Act mishandling classified information and storing them in his garage in his home in his private library in the University of Pennsylvania Biden Center and God knows where else maybe the FBI will tell us the answer to that or maybe they're just going to cover it up as they've done for people like Joe and Hillary and many times in the past. Now, James Comer, who is the new Republican House Oversight Chairman, And one of the people who's going to be investigating the complicated business dealings between the Biden crime family and the Chinese had a very telling interview with Maria Bartiromo over the weekend. And he talked specifically about this 3.2 carat diamond, which was a gift from the Chinese. Now, I think anybody who has half a brain knows that the Chinese are not just going to be gifting 3.2 carat diamonds. That's a very expensive diamond. And if we just take a look at the grading report here. It is a very, very expensive diamond, so you have to believe that this was a payoff of some sort. Comer believes exactly the same thing, and if there's a trail to be followed, I think that Comer and his committee are going to follow it. He said this isn't the most complex investigation on the planet involving the Biden family. It's kind of like tracking a bleeding bear in a snowstorm. There's evidence everywhere that would point out that this family has been involved in influence-peddling schemes for for decades, and this is very concerning, and I think that the American people are getting a taste of this with the fact that these documents were stored in so many different locations. Does anyone believe that those classified documents, when they left the vice president's office, that they just took them to multiple locations all over the East Coast? This is very concerning. Look, we know a lot more about the diamond that I need to talk about right now. Boom! That diamond was given to Hunter about the same time these documents were being Transported to different locations. It's very concerning. Oh, absolutely concerning for the Biden crime family now that the full revelations of the things they've done to turn tail and become traitors to the United States of America are being revealed. Their relationship, their business relationship with the Chinese Communist Party is about to get blown wide open. And no matter what you think, Joe Biden, in my opinion, is not going to be president on paper for very much longer. Now, one of the troubling things that we have to figure out is who's going to take over for Joe Biden once he steps down from the office of the presidency, or once perhaps he is indicted, uh, maybe once he gets uh, excommunicated by his party, maybe once he is actually sent through impeachment proceedings. There's a lot that can happen here. But America is not allowed to have a president that isn't a natural-born U.S. citizen. Kamala Harris does not fall into that category. Now, there is some debate on this question here, because the definition of an natural U.S.-born citizen is, in some circles, just somebody who is born here in America. That gives them citizenship. But in other constitutional circles, they argue that a natural-born U.S. citizen is somebody who is born to two U.S. citizen parents. And both of Kamala Harris's parents were not citizens of the United States. Now, in this, there is undoubtedly going to be a very great debate that rages over it. Certainly, some will say that she is eligible. Others will say she is not. I don't believe that she is. However, it sure looks like they are prepping Kamala Harris to become president. doesn't matter to them that it would be illegal for her to step into that role. The law has never stopped these people from doing what they wanted in the past. That have had a lot of people tell me on a number of different occasions, Kamala Harris can't be president. I know she can't be president. But do they know she can't be president? Do they even care that she can't be president? I certainly hope if they try to make her president, somebody in Congress with a little bit of power and a little bit of gusto would step forward and say, hey, guess what? That's illegal. She can't be allowed to be president. And if that happens, it looks like we have President Kevin McCarthy on deck. Advisor and spokesman for the White House Counsel's Office and special assistant to the president, Ian Sams. Ian, thank you for being on the show this morning. As you just heard from Congressman Schiff, it's sort of uh, unusual to leave a skiff with anything that is classified, take home classified documents. How did this happen?
1: look, I think you've heard the president speak to this. You've heard the president's personal attorneys speak to this. That's why the president and his lawyers offered up access, unprecedented access, I should add, to every single room of the president's personal home to ensure that any documents that need to be properly in possession of the government are taken and are in proper possession of the government. So from the very beginning, when the team first discovered materials, they've handled this the right way. They've handled it responsibly with the proper authorities, first with the National Archives than with the
4: Department of Justice. Uh So let me throw out a hypothetical for you, because within the context of the argument the White House is making about the mishandling of these classified documents, it should make some sense. So just because you do the right
2: Now
1: fighterflare.com.
4: thing after you commit a crime does not negate the crime itself. Let's say I accidentally drive over an elderly woman riding her 10 speed down the road. Now I could choose to take her body and throw it into the swamp. Or I could call the authorities and let them know that I just hit an old woman. Now, when they get there, they're not going to care that I called them. The only thing they're going to care about is that a crime has been committed. And the same thing is true in the circumstances of Joe Biden and the mishandling of his classified documents. The only thing is that the crimes extend far beyond simple mishandling of documents. Now, as I stated in the beginning of this program, the mainstream media has been given the green light to now attack the Biden regime. And Mika and Joe asked over and over and over again, how could this happen? The simplest answer is that Joe Biden is a criminal and he believes that he's above the law. And so, therefore, the taking of those classified documents and bringing them to whichever home or location that he wanted was something he felt he had the right to do. He thought he would never get in trouble for it because as long as he was serving his own interests and Joe Biden was a big shot in Washington, D.C., and he He was doing business with the Chinese and the Ukrainians and whoever else God knows who. Joe Biden believed that he would never get caught. But Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski are now among those mainstream media correspondents who are asking the questions that we have been asking for a long time. How in the world could this happen? Well, my friends, this is exactly what happens when you have criminals running the country or perhaps foxes running the hen house. All right, next, continuing on with traitors to the United States of America, a protest, a mostly peaceful protest as it was billed by cucked mainstream media sources such as The Daily Caller and Fox News resulted in many injuries, arrests and police cars being vandalized and burned to the ground. Take a look at this video where this reporter says it's a largely peaceful protest and you tell me what you see. We're taking you right now. You can see people running in opposite directions and you on see, the other yeah, side Eric, of that.
2: Yeah, Tyler. Go I ahead. do want
4: to. Yeah, we're far enough away. You'll see the officer right there with APD. He has uh, what appears to be zip ties. Uh, we're not for far enough down
1: where we can't see if they've taken anyone into custody, but it did appear that they were ready to do that uh, to try to, uh, to try to calm the situation that's unfolding here. And as you said, this really.
4: A protest initially to try to uh, oh, protest what happened look at that. on Wednesday. So here, peaceful. Where, uh, I mean, they were handing out. That vehicle still uh,
1: up in flames here over at the at Andrew Young and Peachtree. And if you, t-
4: I'm just going to pause it right there because I, I think this is a perfect example of how the fake news media gaslights you right in front of your face. A mostly peaceful protest, my ass. This is a riot and it's taking place in a large American city. Now, six people were arrested after this allegedly mostly peaceful protest when they turned violent on Saturday night outside the Atlanta Police Foundation. At least six people were arrested and the protest began in response to the death of an environmental activist. I would call him an Antifa terrorist. His name is Manuel Esteban Paez Tehran. He's a 26-year-old man. He was killed this past Wednesday day after he reportedly refused orders from authorities and shot at state troopers. Now, he also shot one of the state troopers. They continue to call him an activist as if that's somehow going to excuse him from engaging in terrorist activities and trying to kill police officers. He shot at Georgia State Patrol troopers and he shot one of them in the abdomen on January 18th. They fired back. They struck him. They killed him. The bastard is dead. Now, the shooting shooting took place as authorities worked to clear a large swath of land that is intended to be used as a future site of a police training center. This has been nicknamed Cop City by the Antifa terrorists, and they were occupying this land so that people couldn't build this $90 million proposed facility. They said it would have a negative environmental impact on Atlanta. Now, there were approximately 25 campsites that were cleared. Authorities also discovered mortar-style fireworks, Multiple edged weapons, pellet rifles, gas masks, and a blowtorch. That's all coming from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Here is some more footage of these mostly peaceful protests. Let's take a look. So peaceful. Oh, yeah, look, peacefully broken out windows, too. That's the American way, right? Mostly peaceful. It looks like there are many people out in the streets. Mass unrest. Believe me, there was a ton of people that got arrested too and they were screaming screaming like babies as it happened. Now, as I stated in the introduction, this protest erupted in a number of different cities all across America. started in Atlanta, but it also ended up here in Boston. And the most delicious aspect of this story is, once again, Democrat House Minority Whip Catherine Clark. Her son was among those arrested in Boston for assaulting police officers. This was on Saturday night. He was arrested on charges of vandalizing private property, also assaulting the officer while resisting arrest at this Antifa protest in Boston, Massachusetts. The Boston Police Department said in a news release that the suspect is named Jared Dowell. He's 23, he's of Melrose, and Dowell was placed under arrest and charged with the aforementioned charges. Now, Dowell is expected to be arraigned in Boston Municipal Court. His mother put out a statement and she said that it's a very difficult time. Here, we actually have Antifa Watch posting about the arrest. It appears the child of Democrat House Minority Whip Catherine M. Clark was arrested for assaulting police as part of an Antifa event in Boston last night. Jared Riley Dowell allegedly graffitied Stop Cop City and assaulted police while resisting arrest. He looks like a really quality individual. Look at those eyes. The man is disturbed. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and take a look at the statement from the House Minority Whip. Well, here is that statement in question, and House Minority Rep Catherine Clark has injected a little bit of controversy into this story because she says that last night my daughter was arrested in Boston, Massachusetts. I love Riley, and this is a very difficult time in the cycle of joy and pain in parenting. This will be evaluated by the legal system, and I'm confident in that process. So it looks like Riley is the former name Of Now, Jared, who identifies as a he, him, or maybe a they, them, and Jared used to be a woman named Riley, but it looks like the house rep from Massachusetts still identifies her daughter as a woman. So, either way, very strange and complicated story, but the thing that's not complicated is that, once again, Antifa attempted to incite insurrection here in the United States of America in the exact same way they did in the Summer of Love in 2020. We cannot let them get away with this justice for the people of these cities where Antifa terrorists took over and shot and killed a Georgia state trooper officer. And since we're discussing Antifa, over the weekend in Monterey Park, California, an Asian male went into a nightclub, shot and killed 10 individuals and wounded at least 10 more. Now, despite the fact that the perpetrator was Asian and this was an Asian venue, people on the left are still trying to claim that the cause of this shooting is, you guessed it, white supremacy. Let's take a look at this little video from leftism for You.
0: Honoré Park, California, where 10 were murdered in a Lunar New Year weekend mass shooting, is a predominantly East and Southeast Asian community. It's an unapologetically Asian community, deeply Asian community. Lunar New Year weekend is the largest gathering weekend for many in Asian communities around the world. This is a currently developing story, so there are many unknowns. But one thing that I do know, no matter the race, gender, identity, motivation of the shooter, mass shootings and violence are an essential integral part of... ...of U.S. white dominant culture. I'm here to take down U.S. white dominant culture. How about you?
4: Definitely not me. In fact, I think this is one of the dumbest and hottest takes I've ever seen. This was a crime perpetrated by an Asian immigrant against members of the Asian community. It could have had any number of motivations behind it. But the one thing I can definitely tell you was not involved was white supremacy... These people could have been killed anywhere, by anyone, at any time, and it just so happens that it was an Asian guy to blame for doing it. I'll be very surprised if we find a manifesto that he's put together blaming white supremacy, Uh, but I won't be very surprised if he puts together a manifesto that tells us that he did it for some other reason. Now, one thing that is very important to note is that one of the Chinese communist agendas is to break up the United States of America, so distrust and Promote racist ideology. That would be uh segregation, that would be gender ideology, that would be everything that we see the left doing right now. So this person who is trying to blame white supremacy for a murder of Asian people by another Asian person, I believe, is falling victim or perhaps perpetuating that communist agenda to destroy the America that we know and love through the insertion of identity politics. And that is exactly what they're trying to do. The only good thing I can think of is that so many people nowadays, if woken up, they hear someone moronic like this blaming white supremacy for an Asian crime committed by an Asian, and they know immediately that they're full of shit. And finally, we may have a bit of light at the end of the tunnel in good old Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Lawmakers there have worked together to introduce common sense legislation that is going to rid the state voter rolls of some 3.6 to 3.8 million inactive voters. This is due in large part to Senator Jacques and Representative Baden in what should have been a legislative no-brainer. It would have been very easy to do this a number of years ago, but they have worked against leadership in the Senate and the House to introduce this bill. It is LRB 0760-1. What this is going to do is completely scrub my vote Wisconsin. This is under the auspices of the Wisconsin Election Commission, which we have heard a lot about in terms of the voter fraud taking place there over the last several years. At this time, there are 3.6 to 3.8 million extra ineligible, inactive, non-registered voter names that are for some reason commingled with the active and legally registered voter names that are currently on the rolls. That is 3.6 million active registered voters. Now, the inactive designation comes when a person's name is on the voter rolls, but they are not on the poll books. And that could be for a number of different reasons, such as they moved out of the state. Maybe they died. Maybe they're a felon. Maybe they've been declared incompetent or they're registered in another state, or even that they have fraudulent citizenship, or they have been made inactive through Wisconsin's rarely enforced voter maintenance record law after four years of no-vote activity. Since 2006, Wisconsin has operated the statewide voter registration database, and prior to 2006, all of the clerks and all the counties across Wisconsin were individually responsible for maintaining their respective voter rolls. So it's reasonable to assume that up until 2006, those voter rolls were rather clean. It seemed to work out well at that time. But Jacques and Bowdoin are strongly encouraging their fellow legislators in the state house and in the state senate to consider being a co-sponsor of this bill so that they and those in the state's house and the state senate can actually finally clean up Wisconsin's voter rolls after having been poisoned and compromised for so many years, thanks to the Wisconsin Election Commission. Right now, there are approximately 7.3 million names on the voter rolls, and that is way more people than who are actually registered to vote. So there is a deadline of January 24th. If you are a resident of the state of Wisconsin, please call your state legislators. Let them know about this bill. Let them know that this is something that must be done if we're going to have free and fair elections. And I can think of no better place to start than the state of Wisconsin. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. Make sure that you tune in tonight at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time for another episode of Baseless Conspiracies with myself and John Harold on Badlands Media. Until tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Occam's Razor, good luck and God bless. We'll see you then.